Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, the new Google Podcasts app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. And a special welcome, by the way, to the newest subscribers from the Overcast app. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Northern California, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, whose songs and or recorded performances represent an accumulated sales of an amazing 19 million CDs, having written hit songs for the likes of Hayfill and Hart, among others. She was the first female rock singer-songwriter to be signed to a major record deal that came out of Nashville, and over the years has performed and recorded with the likes of Richard Marks, Amy Grant, Ozzy Osbourne, and more. She is sometimes seen performing with the American classic Hitmakers, and she has a new single coming out, first in Australia with the number one artist there. You have been hearing a song of hers entitled Bed of Roses. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Jamie Kyle. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Hi, Jamie. Welcome. Yeah, I appreciate your time. No problem. <laughs> there are some developments that I want to dig into with you here, but first let's have you tell the listeners about the song of yours that was just playing, Bed of Roses. Well, um, Bed of Roses was a song that uh, I recorded on my record called The Passionate Kind for Atco Atlantic Records. And then it got picked up by Faith Hill on her second record. And so years of yours and then hers? I wrote that, I think, in like 92. And my record came out in 94. And, uh, and then Faith Hill recorded it in 97. See, and that's an interesting lesson right out of the gate for our listeners who are aspiring performers and listen every week to learn from me and my guests that a song can take that many years before it gets picked up by a quote-unquote major artist. So youngsters, or even if you're not that young, if you're writing songs and thinking it's got to be picked up by someone as soon as it's finished or within the few months thereafter, there's a first-hand lesson right there from, from Jamie on the timetable. And, and Jamie, I, I think you would probably attest to the fact that that happens lots and lots of times. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, Faith Hill's first song, uh, Wild One, that I co-wrote, that had been written six years earlier. Mm. And, and it sat around, and I actually took it into Warner Chapel, where I was writing there. I actually took it into my song plugger, and he listened to it through the cassette tape. Back then, we had cassette <laughs> tapes. Threw it down the hall, and I saw the tape trailing off after it. And he said, I'm not going to pay to have that recorded. And I, I, my heart just sunk. And I thought, I believed in the song so much, I, I went ahead and did it. Uh, so my co-writers and I went ahead and did the demo of it. And then shortly after that, Faith Hill picked it up. But it took six years for us to even record that. And sometimes you just don't hear it right away. You know, you don't hear that a song is great right away sometimes, and it takes, uh, it might take some time. 
Yeah, you should see the look on my face as, as you're telling that story and the and the tape yeah. going down the hallway. I, I furrowed oh, my yeah. brow as to think, what? <laughs> our, our only copy as well. Oh gosh. I, I had, yeah, I had to take a pencil and you know the little wheels on a cassette. Yeah. You know where you wind them, where they rewind and fast forward. I had to literally put the tape back into the cassette. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so it could have been lost forever. And was there ever a, I don't want to say I told you so moment, but I guess maybe more of a of a moment of regret for the song plugger that, that did throw it down the hallway? Well, he didn't work there very much longer <laughs> after that. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, while we are talking about songs, you did a co-write on Who Am I?, which has ended up doing really well as far as some awards that it has earned. Tell the listeners about that co-write and all these honors that I'm referring to. Yeah, um, you know, it was something that we didn't think about. We didn't plan it out and go, uh, oh, we're going to do this song and this video to get, to win awards. We wrote it because we were in pain about our loved ones. My mother had lung cancer and it manifested like Alzheimer's, you know, because mm. she wouldn't remember things. And all of a sudden she was in the 70s or at different periods of time. And she didn't remember me. And, uh, you know, all the painful things that go along with that horrible disease, both horrible diseases, Alzheimer's and cancer. But uh, John uh, Fousset Dart called me and his wife's mother was had Alzheimer's and was in a home and she had written down some lyrics on a napkin and John had written the first verse and he asked me if I would join in on the song and I was like, Oh yeah, I will. Hmm. So I took her, I took her lyrics and, and uh, molded them into what I wanted them to say as far as my feelings about my mother and about Alzheimer's. And so we in, they called me and said, "Hello, the song's great." I did. I recorded my part in Nashville. They recorded their part in upstate New York, and then John Poussette put it together. And then they called me and said, "Hey, would you mind coming up here to be in this video with us?" And I'm like, uh, "Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. sure." So I did. And the next thing I know, they put this out in a little film, and it won all these film festival awards. I mean, they kept writing me, you know, like every other month, <laughs> hey, we won this film festival, we won this film festival, you know, for best song, best video. And, uh, wow. and it was really a wonderful thing, because it was nothing planned about it. But it's something that a lot of people, unfortunately, can relate to. Well, bear with me here, because I know that we just met, and I don't want this question to come out the wrong way. I'm not a songwriter. I've certainly been around lots and lots and lots of songwriters for lots and lots of years. So I know that inspiration comes from any one of a number of sources. But is there ever a moment, Jamie, when it is so personal, as you're describing, when it's a family member that's going through something where, as I say, this is a sensitive question to ask, but where you almost feel, I don't want to say guilty, but 
you know, writing about something that you think, you know, this person is suffering and I'm suffering with them. And here I am writing a song. And I, granted, I know that music is therapeutic and I know it could help somebody and it's an expression to, to help you get this out. But if you understand the spirit in which I'm asking that, is there ever a sense of, of gosh, you know, I shouldn't be writing a song about this. I, I just. Well, I, I think you're referring to ex-boyfriends. <laughs> they, they they wouldn't like this for me to write about them, which I did long before Taylor Swift came along. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it is a form of therapy and I'm not meaning to offend anyone, but I grew up on songs uh, from the seventies that helped me through hard times because they were raw, vulnerable and real. And I just think you can't go wrong writing like that, if it's honest, if it's true, and if it's from your heart, I think that, uh, I don't think you're going to offend anyone. I think you're going to, you are going to help people heal. You know, I I think it's people want to know that somebody else feels like they do, because at times we, I think we all feel isolated with whatever pain we're going through. Yeah, point well taken, because it sounds like what you're saying is, if I did tell myself, I can't write about this, and every other songwriter said, I can't write about this, then where would those songs be that do help us through those times? So I, I, I like right. the way you handled that. And, and I think you handled it in a way that was very nice towards me. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for going easy on me. Uh, mm-hmm. Since we are on the topic, we might as well shift over to one highlight that I mentioned in the intro, which is that you have a new single coming out. I had mentioned that first it will show up in Australia, though. So for the benefit of the listeners who are up-and-coming songwriters, explain how and why that happens, why this single of yours that's coming out is going to first show up in Australia with with a number one artist, mind you. You know, somebody said this today. I did a radio show this morning, and somebody was talking about uh, that someone had said in order for, I think it was Clint Eastwood, that said in order for success to happen, lightning has to strike, and then it has to strike twice. Hmm. And, and I think it's, it's something you can't manufacture. People try all day long to make things happen the way they want them to. But it it just doesn't seem to happen that way. And you you need a lot of luck, you need timing. Um, Like, like the song that heart cut, uh, they cut a song of mine that I co wrote called stranded. They had 12 people on uh, a panel that had to agree on songs. Oh, my gosh. So, so 12 people had to agree. So it could have gone any which way. You know what I mean? Very much so. So the girl in Australia, uh, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, I've, I'm working with this artist, and would you mind writing with her? And um, and I this person is Renee Grant Williams. She's a famous vocal coach and this is a student of hers. And I said, um, sure, I'll do it. I had the time and it was free. So I did it. And, and again, with no agenda, you know, just to write a good song. And then the next thing I know, the song, I'll tell you the name of the song right now, because it's not out yet. It's going to be a new song called kiss dirt. Mm. And, And we were sitting there and uh, talking about things and we were talking about relationships and it's like how you would, there are some people that offend you or hurt you. And 
you know, you'd rather kiss dirt than go out with them. <laughs> you know, it's, and it was about a person that changed their mind. They rejected you at first and then they changed your mind, their mind and saw how great the, the person was, you know, and I was like, God, I'd rather kiss dirt. And so that became the title. So that's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that. I like that. And, and, and I wanted the listeners to hear that. I mean, myself too, cause I didn't know the story, but you know, I think as you said, Jamie, a songwriter wants to be so intentional with this vision of this is a great song. I want someone to cut it. And they think of this, I don't want to say tunnel vision, but kind of they have a picture in their mind and it's someone right here, either in their city, in their state, and and obviously in the United States. Whereas, look, if there's someone else out there that wants to cut it, you know, right. don't, don't, don't put any limitations on yourself. Right. You know, it goes where it, it's supposed to go, I think. You know, I mean, uh, obviously the world's not fair, but, uh, you know, things happen sometimes and you have no idea why. I mean, I, th- I think I know why, but <laughs> <laughs> I won't get into that. <laughs> I, th- I think it's a very spiritual thing. But uh, you can be the you can have great songs and nobody records them but yourself. And and that's a good thing, too. Speaking of music overseas, since we're talking about that, that song will be in Australia first. You had lots of success in Europe in the early stages of your career. Your debut CD charted number one on the rock import charts throughout Europe, and you followed that up with two critically acclaimed CDs that you wrote and produced back from Hollywood. That was on Now and Then Records based in England, and then The Best of My Heart, which was done with Frontiers in Italy. Talk about all that. Well, um, like I said, I was signed to Atco Atlantic Records, and when I, I was in the middle of making my record, and the CEO and the person that signed me to the deal left. So mm. here I was in the middle of recording my record. I talked to him on the phone, and he said, I'm leaving. Get what you want out of this record. And wow. unfortunately, on the front end of the deal, we had a verbal agreement to do a video to do videos, you know, for my songs, it wasn't in my contract. So any newcomer to the music business learned this. If it's not in writing, it is not true uh, on a contract. So he left and then a woman came in and uh, she took over and she called me and said, I don't know anything about your kind of music. She was more into urban music. And I was so distraught because I worked so hard. And at that time, being a female in the music business was so hard. At at radio, there were only three women going to album-oriented rock radio. It was myself, Melissa Etheridge, and another woman. And I ended up not having any funding behind me because the new person that came in didn't want to spend her budget on me because I was signed by someone else. So that I asked to be released from the deal, which she did not have to do. And she was very gracious in letting me out of my deal Mm -hmm. because other, otherwise they could have actually kept me from working and I could have just sat there for three more years, not collecting any money and not, not doing anything. So she let me out of my deal. And then I got a call from, Uh, somebody from Europe that said, Hey, we love your stuff. We want to put it out. Hmm. And I, and at the time I was so heartbroken. Um, 
I don't even think at the time I realized what a great gift that was because they were so far away and um, I, I was so hurt, you know, I wasn't excited about very much. You know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And then these wonderful people uh, signed me to these deals over there. I went over and toured and uh, got, you know, a lot of press without having a publicist, which is saying a lot for the music, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how that came into being. And then I uh, signed with Frontiers, and they put out The Best of My Heart, and that was released in Japan as well. And also I was on MTM Records out of Germany at the same time. So that's how all that happened. And then my goal was to own myself because uh, it felt like not these labels, but I'm talking about like Atlantic and um, other people. It's like you do all this work and you don't see any money because they signed you. They collect the money and you're the last person to get paid. So I thought I wanted to wait to be able to put out my own material, collect my own money, you know, so that I, I, I um, you know, you're always having to chase people down to pay you. And that didn't sit well with me. I mean, a lot of middle people in record deals and publishing deals, there are a lot of middlemen. And today, the way the the new uh, models for downloading and streaming and all of that, you can own your own your own material and collect your own money, which is great for independent artists. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listeners, I'd be remiss if I didn't refer you back to episode 208 of this show when my guest was Blake Morgan and told a similar story about he signed a seven-album deal with Phil Ramone, name that many people know, N2K slash Sony was the name, and miraculously was able to, to get off that sinking ship before it went under. I'll let Blake do it more justice. Go back and listen to that one. I often refer to that episode because, Jamie, you're talking about streaming, and, and on that episode, Blake took a lot of time talking about the closed-door meeting he had at Spotify where things got really heated. He's very much an artist advocate. But uh, yes. a lot of a lot of artists like yourselves can tell these stories about you know the ups and downs of, of the record deals. And in your case, you know again, as we had just finished talking about, that you were thinking that things weren't going to go too well, and all of a sudden you get a call from Europe, and it ends up being one of the better calls that I'm sure that you've gotten over your career because of what that turned into for you. Right. And there was a guy named Bruce Mee that really helped me out. He actually paid for a video. It's called The Best of My Heart. You can see it on YouTube. He actually believed in me so much that he he paid for the video himself. Mm. And, uh, you know, and that's what you want. You want people who really believe in you. And you, some sometimes younger artists, they just want to be signed. They want a publishing deal. They want a record deal. They don't know what that means. And to me, it's like, unless it's a fair deal, which there are very few fair deals, <laughs> it's like somebody coming up to your, you and you own a car that you love and they say, hey, give me your car. Give me, give me part of your car. Mm. You know, and then you can't sell that car. You can't do anything because they've partnered with you on your car. That's a great analogy. So, you know, I, I wish that I wish that younger artists knew what they were 
I, I think they want validation and they think that's the validation when really it has to come from you, from yourself, because those people will come and go. You know, when you're hot and you're famous, everybody loves you. Everybody's around. When when you become a normal person again, they're all gone. But when you say it has to come from you, the validation, what do you mean by that? I, I mean, you have to you have to love yourself. You have to know yourself and you have to not need that exterior validation. You have to do that for yourself, in my opinion. And that's what makes the stronger artists, I think. Yeah. And to believe in yourself to the point where you say, I wish somebody would cut these songs. I, I wish these would go somewhere, but I believe so much in them that I'm proud of them the way they are. And if the only place they go is on my album and me playing them at my live shows, I'm going to be just as proud. Right. And you never know. Somebody may hear them for a movie or a TV show. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, a friend of mine just recut an old television show and redid all the music on there, and he used hundreds of up-and-coming artists that don't have deals. Wow. So you never know. Wow. Yeah, and as we said yeah. earlier, you may have that song that you're really proud of that I just talked about that you love so much and it's not going anywhere, and then six years later it does. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Listeners, you're hearing about some of Jamie's accolades. Here's something cool that just happened. Business Insider named Tascam's THO2 headphones, which I actually own two pairs of, as the best budget over-the-ear headphones. Here's what they said. Quote, at less than $25, the Tascam THO2 are an unbeatable value for a pair of solidly built over-ear headphones that sound great and isolate sound well with a closed-back design, end quote. Uh, right now, I'm actually wearing the Tascam THMX2 headphones, which are a little bit of a step up. You know that I'm talking through a Tascam microphone. It's the TM280. I've got it mounted on the TMAM2, which is an adjustable boom if you look at the Instagram account for this show, there are pictures here and there of my setup and the equipment. But more importantly, take a look at Tascam.com and all the different recording solutions that they have. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Jamie, let's talk about another big honor, something that you just found out that was published that you are in. I won't spoil it, so tell the listeners what that is, but I take it that you didn't know you were going to be yeah. in it, so I wonder how that came to pass. Well, uh, I'm on Facebook, and I got a um, a message saying that I, I was included in this book called the AOR Bible. And, and I thought, well, what is that? So it's an album-oriented rock um, Bible that they're calling it a Bible. But it's uh, 400 of classic artists to listen to. Like if somebody's not familiar with a lot of the classic rock uh, genres, uh, people in that genre, you can get this book and go through it and find some gems in there. And they actually have me listed in there. They have one of my records back from Hollywood, which I produced in there. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. And so then in the female rock area of the book, they have a picture of Hart, myself, Pat Benatar, and other great females. So it was just really an honor just to even be included in that. And listeners, she's mentioned Hart a couple times. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention episode 86 of this show when my guest was Roger Fisher, the founding guitarist from Hart. If you never heard that interview, go back and listen to that one. 
episode 86, part, of course, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. So uh, a big win for NHTE getting Roger Fisher on that episode. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment, where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, when sending someone an audio file, ask what format they prefer. Don't say or assume that they should take anything or feel that, well, the studio told me that a WAV file is best. If you're sending, say, an M4A or a WAV, and the recipient, for whatever reason, can only use an MP3, now you're putting the burden on them to convert it, and you're assuming that they have a way to do so. Even though I have great equipment from Tascam and can do it, it doesn't mean that any slash all podcasters or even internet radio stations can convert easily. Make it easy for your music to be played and heard with a simple ask regarding a possible preferred format. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Since I mentioned them in the intro, Jeff Stramitz actually talked really briefly about them last week on episode 241 of NHTE. Jamie, tell the listeners more about the American Classic Hitmakers. Well, my husband is in a band from the 70s called Pablo Cruz. He's the lead singer, guitar player from that band. And um, and I've gotten used to having him play guitar with me, which is, <laughs> makes me really, really spoiled uh, because I used to go out and perform by myself solo, which I've done recently. Um, but I wanted, we wanted a way for me to keep working with my other friends that have written hits that are great artists like Walter Egan, who sang and wrote Magnet and Steel. You are the Magnet, I am the Steel, that mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham co-produced. Yep. And then he had a song called Hot Summer Nights. And um, another friend of mine, Jamie Houston, who uh, he wrote Carlos Santana, Steven Tyler's song, Do Anything to Just Feel Better. And he's had many accolades uh, so he's got a country group that's very hot called Levon right now. So we go, we band together, go and do shows, play for each other, sing harmonies with each other. So it's like a little band. And American Classic Hitmakers, is it a name that speaks to the people in the band as well as the type of music that you're doing? Oh, yes, absolutely. And Dave, my husband, also joins us um, quite a bit, actually. But yeah, it's classic songs, like uh, classic hits, you know, that you would know and love. And uh, and we're all from America, you know, so it's it's uh, American classic. Um, anyway, that, that's what it's about. It's about the classic songs and the writers that sang the songs. Uh, and sometimes they're the artist as well. I like it. I like it. So American Classic Hitmakers is 
exactly that. It's people that have written hits and they sing the songs. And, you know, of course, we we love everybody's material that plays in the band. So does that mean that nowadays we would see you performing with the American classic hitmakers more than we would see a solo Jamie Kyle show? Well, uh, not really. I, I mean, I've, I've opened for Dave Mason and, uh, gosh, I'm going blank. A lot of other people <laughs> that I've, uh, also done shows in, uh, Park City, Utah and, and in Nashville. I also do the Bluebird. So, uh, it's not one or the other. We we kind of do whatever we need to do to keep playing. It's like sure. we get a an American classic hit makers gig, and then Dave gets a Pablo gig, then I get a Jamie gig, then Walter gets a Walter gig, and then we come back together. You know. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's a it's a great example of the new economy that I refer to many times in the show. It's also a, a wonderful testimony to collaboration because listeners, you know that I am very big on the correct CO word is collaboration and not competition. And there's a right. prime example right there of, of a lot of you, Jamie, all supporting one another. Oh yes, definitely. That's what it's about. You know, we're fans of each other. I like that. That's a, that's a great expression. I wonder, for some reason, I can't stop thinking about on episode 223 of the show, my guest was Sass Jordan. The listeners, she has sold over a million records worldwide. She's won various awards, Billboard and Juno, and she's been called one of the pioneers of female-fronted rock. Jamie, do the two of you know each other? I can't. I don't know why I can't stop huh. thinking about you and Sass Jordan together. Yeah, we were at that was the third person at radio with us, uh, Melissa Etheridge, Sass, and myself. Amazing, amazing! It's, yeah. a, it's it. This music world just gets smaller and smaller <laughs> every yeah. day. Yeah, at least for me, I don't know about yourselves, but wow. Yeah, and the guy that produced my record ended up producing Melissa, Melissa Etheridge's Grammy-winning record. Hmm. David Cole. Outstanding. Jamie, songwriters are are always looking to to you know just get the one hit. Just let's go back and talk about Wild One again, the the Faith Hill hit that you co-wrote. How much did that success move the needle for you? You know, how much more often did your phone start to ring after that? You know, that's an interesting question because um, my record deal had just ended, and then I have this hit song with this brand new artist. Number one for four weeks, it made history uh, for debut artists having a number one hit for that long. And it was really hard to celebrate and get into, back into music, into that world when, when my record deal had ended. It, it, was, a, it was a very hard. It mm. broke my heart, mm. actually, you know, that the record deal ended and that I had to even tell people, I didn't even know how to tell them. How do you tell them the inner workings of a corporation, which is what a record company is and that I didn't fit into their new plan. So it was very, very, very difficult. And so I kind of backed off out of the scene when that song became a hit at that time. I, uh, I, I just, I needed to heal. Wow. And so I really, I, I think people also thought in Nashville that I moved to New York, which I didn't. I was there. I was mm-hmm. just 
I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it at the time. It was so painful. Exact opposite of, of what I was expecting you to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, looking back on it, I wish I had been more involved and more celebrated. Faith asked me to sing on her record with her, and I I was going to be in L.A., and I I probably should have made a more uh, more of an effort to be there. But at the time, it, it just wasn't, music wasn't that important. I had to look at myself, you know, and, and what I was wanting out of that record deal. You know, I talked about validation and all of that. And, and that's what I mean about you have to validate yourself because, you know, when something doesn't go the way you think it will or the way you wish that it should or you dream that it should, you have to depend on yourself. And I think I crashed because I, I needed validation, you know. Well, but at the same time, I'm still going to say hats off to you because you took a courageous step, especially passing on singing with faith. And even though you did fade into the background, you still were blessed anyways, as we all can tell from the way the rest of your career has gone, you know, over the past 20, what is it, five years since then. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm I'm saying hats off to you because, as I said, that was a courageous step that you took, even though some might say, what do you mean? She just said she went into hiding. It, it's still, it was still a very, very heavy choice that you made. And, and it sounds like an informed one. And that, that you did end up being blessed as a result is is wonderful testimony uh, to the fact that, you know, you you will, this this kind of thing will come back around to you in a good way. Ah, thank you. I, I feel blessed. I mean, I have so much going on right now that, actually, this brings up, uh, there's a song that I have on YouTube, and it's called Grace. And... If you get a chance, check that out. It's about forgiveness and hope and, you know, just how we all in the world need to love more. We need to love more and to forgive. Um, And I think that that uh, going into hiding made me look at my spirituality and what I believe and uh, it was a good thing. It was a very good thing. It wasn't business-wise, but it was a good thing for me personally, which, you know, I've written, you know, I've written songs that I, that really touch me and make me feel something that I'm proud of, you know, long after that record deal. Well, and we've talked before about how important that personal infrastructure is. Y- you might have some success, but it's not going to be sustain over a long period of time. If you don't have that personal infrastructure, eventually it's going to bleed through onto the recordings. It's going to come through into the business. And right. so, you know, that that's what you did was step aside and, and, and get that all in order. I did mention some big names back in the intro, and there's some others as we've been talking, and there's even more that we haven't brought up yet, such as Air Supply and Jody Messina, just to name two. I, I guess this is almost a follow-up to having asked you about the results from the Faith Hill hit. All these other folks that you've gotten to work with over the years, were those opportunities, were they dominoes that fell after Wild One, meaning incoming calls, or were you just cranking out songs that someone was pitching for you and they were getting picked up by some of these big-name artists I'm referring to? Well, actually, Stranded was my first big hit. That was my first cut, the heart song. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And that was a big hit for Hart. So, you know, that was validation, you know, that I'm credible. And then, um, you know, I had my record come out, then Faith and several other songs. I think I think there's a maturity that happens in songwriting when you start writing better and people recognize that or or you get into a zone where you're writing songs that that resonate with people. And so then they seek out your songs, your writing. You know, I have people call me now wanting me to write with some of these younger artists in Nashville because a lot of them are doing basically rock songs instead of country songs. Mm-hmm. But uh, they want a different spin on it. So they'll call me and ask me if I would write with them. So I guess it's I don't think it was because of the hit. I know that happens to a lot of people that they get one hit and then then they've got 10 because of that one hit. But I think with me, it's the song resonates because sometimes I write pretty deep and very personal. And that's not for everybody. And these calls that you get to write with new artists, are they all in a case by case basis? Because, again, we keep talking about the word validation. Certainly it flatters you to get those calls. But at the same time, you probably get a lot of those calls. And so you can't write with everyone. How how do you determine who you're going to write with and who you're going to say, thanks, I really appreciate you thinking of me. I'm going to pass. I, I think it it's the person that calls, you know, if I like their taste. And I, um, I'm open, so I listen to, you know, what they have to say and if I get with the artist and like I've written with some people that have no respect for people who've come before them and done anything Mm. because their parents have told them they're so great. They believe it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so they don't have respect and that is not interesting to me at all. It's kind of like dating. You want to be in a room with somebody that respects you and you're trying to help them. If they realize that and are, you know, grateful for the opportunity, then you, it makes you want to help them. I look for the same qualities that I had, that I was going to make it whether anybody helped me or not. Mm. You know, and those are the people that like Taylor Swift, she was that way. I met her when she was 14 and I knew she was going to make it whether anybody helped her or not. She was going (laughs) to do it. And I look for that because if you don't have that drive, you can't get past some of the hurdles that you have to get past. Well said. Well said. I like it. I'm talking today with singer, songwriter, guitar player, Jamie Kyle. Check out her official website at jamiekylemusic.com. Remember that her first name is spelled J-A-I-M-E, although we will, of course, have a link to her website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. In terms of social media, there is presently a link on her website to Jamie's Facebook music page, but she is also on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Be sure to keep up with her online for information on where and when you can go see her perform live, as well as news about music that she is doing, such as the new single that you heard her talk about earlier in the show. I haven't said it in a while, but we do still very much appreciate getting ratings and reviews. If you wouldn't mind, please doing that on either iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or on Stitcher. If you're looking for a way to help the show, that's one way to do so that doesn't cost you any money. Write a nice review, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating on the Now Hear This Entertainment page on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, or on Stitcher. I would be most grateful. 
Jamie, right about now is where I would be telling the listeners all about Boulder Creek guitars, but I believe you play two different models of theirs. So I will take this week off from doing it and let you talk about your firsthand experience playing Boulder Creek, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, so I took a Boulder Creek guitar to Iraq. Um, my husband and I joined with wow. uh, Bill Champlin and uh, uh, from Bobby Kimball from Toto. And a, a lot of other amazing artists. And we went over there to entertain the troops. It was over 100 degrees, over 105 degrees. And mm. I took my Boulder Creek guitar. And let me tell you, it stayed in tune. And I can't say that for most guitars <laughs> at that heat. <laughs> you know, so there really are good guitars. And, of course, I have many guitars, but those are, those are some of my favorites. Uh, you mentioned before that, uh, listeners, Jamie is married to Dave Jenkins from Pablo Cruz. My thinking is that people probably feel like, oh, so she can probably just get up and perform with Pablo Cruz anytime she wants. But I wonder, you know, from the category of mixing business with pleasure, is that true? No, 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 no. Pablo Cruz, they've actually backed me up. Everybody but the keyboard player have backed me up for shows uh, at different times and different configurations. Uh, I think we have a mutual respect. But Pablo Cruz, it's, I mean, it's a guy band. <laughs> I mean, from top to bottom, it is a guy band. So are, are there ever instances, regardless of it being a guy band, of Jamie Kyle is going to sing a song with us or three songs with us? No. Uh, no, I don't think that will happen. Um, I mean, I've opened for them. I've... Uh, wow played shows when they were playing on the same show. And uh, it, we've done things like that, you know, okay. where we both played uh, Bruce Cohen Festival uh, with Bad Company and uh, Doobie Brothers, that kind of thing. But, uh, no, I, you know, Pablo Cruz, it's, they've got their own thing, and uh, I don't think they need I don't think they need a female added to that band. Yeah, I love I love this answer because if you would have said, "Yeah, I, I get up there, you know, now and then," then I think the listeners would kind of say, "Ah, see, must be nice." But you know, I think it's just such a respect <laughs> thing. I think it's you know, it doesn't matter, you know, that I'm that I'm married to Dave. It's oh, this yeah. is this is what the band is, and yes, I'm a singer songwriter that has her own career, but it doesn't mean I can just walk on stage anytime I want any show they're playing anywhere. So I, I love that answer. Well, I don't want to, you know, I've never even thought about doing that because that's their thing. And I do my thing and they're two different things, both good, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, back on episode 230, Beebs talked about her tie dye designs on your website, Jamie, there is a section for Jamie Kyle Designs, which shows jewelry. How much time do you or don't you have <laughs> for that project these uh, that's days? A, that's a good question. I couldn't find anything that I liked. And uh, jewelry-wise, as far as uh, leather and pearls, and I, so I had this vision pop into my head. I'm very creative. I paint as well. And I had this vision pop in my head, and I thought, uh, I'm going to make that for myself. I hmm. did. Then it's like everywhere I went, people were like, where did you get that? Who made that? And so I started to sell them. And that's not really what I'm about to go into that business. So I've made a few that I've given to dear friends or people that have really, um, you know, they 
there's nothing you could buy that they don't already have. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, so I just give them to people that I feel are special to me. And uh, they are for sale. And most of them are 300 and up. But uh, I don't have it uh, set up to where you can actually buy it online. Now you can see them there. But it is coming. Okay. I have a new website that's about to be launched. And you will be able to buy them on there. I love it. All the more reason for listeners to keep up with you online to visit your website. I, I'm shocked at how fast the time has gone. We're already down to the last question, which is that we are going to close today with a song of yours called Untangled. But before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. I was trying to figure out how to break up with someone I'd been with for a long time. And I started writing these lyrics and I got the first verse and the chorus and uh, I was writing with a friend of mine called Gary Burr, and he's a well-known singer-songwriter. He plays with Ringo. He plays with Carol King. He's, he's incredible. And I was so nervous about writing with him because he's so fast on the spot, and I have to wait for these gifts to come to me. <laughs> and, then, and then I take those in like I just – like I wrote it there on the spot, but I really brought them in. Um, I have to pre- – prepare. So I brought that in to him. I had the first verse and the first chorus and some of the second verse. And, uh, and then we just finished it up, but it's one of the best songs I think I've ever written. Mm. It's, you can tell it's from my heart and it's really that it's about how do you break up with somebody? How do you make two hearts from one, you know? Well, and there's just been something about this 45 minutes that we've been talking that I just feel like like I have seen your heart and, and you've been very kind to just be so open and, and honest and I don't want to say vulnerable, but let people really see that. I know that, like I said, I've, I've, heard, I've heard your heart in what you've talked to me about over these last 45 minutes, so it's not a surprise to me to hear that, that that was your approach in writing this song. So God bless you for being so sincere and so open. Thank you, Bruce. Absolutely. And thank you for your time. This was great. I'm, I'm honest when I say I cannot believe that we're done already because <laughs> this felt like 45 minutes that went by in about four or five minutes. But I really appreciate you making 45 minutes to talk to me today. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Bruce. Absolutely. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, Jamie Kyle. Check her out online at jamiekylemusic.com. As you just heard, there will be a new version of that coming soon. And then engage with her on social media. From her website, her current website, you'll find a link to go like her Facebook music page and then find and follow her on both Twitter and Instagram. Plus, look up Jamie's official YouTube channel and then subscribe to it and watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. As I mentioned before, keep up with Jamie online for information on where and when you can go see her perform live, whether it be solo or with the American Classic Hitmakers. And watch for news about music that she's doing, such as the new single that you heard her talk about earlier in the show. Remember, writing a review on the Now Hear This Entertainment page of iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or on Stitcher does help the show. I hope and assume that what you write will be accompanied by a five-star rating. The few minutes of time that it'll take you to post that will go a long way towards helping the show. I hope you'll consider doing that and not just thinking, oh, someone else will do it, because as you heard me say, I always stress the spirit of collaboration. 
Thank you ever so much for listening. We'll send it out today with another song from Jamie Kyle. This is the one she just talked about. It is called Untangled. Yeah.